seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farrak and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. If you would like to support me to continue making these podcasts, you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash get to know you WTF. You can click on this link in the show description. A big announcement and new course available now called How to Get to Know You. We will be giving away the first lesson for free on the website. The link is available in the show description. My guest speaker today is Gregory David Roberts. He is an Australian author, composer, and artist best known for the best-selling book Shantaram, which sold over 6 million copies worldwide. He released his debut album, Love and Faith, last year, which he recorded in Jamaica and this week releases his first non-fiction book, The Spiritual Path. Welcoming Greg to get to know you. Welcome, Greg. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. So I love your your musical journey, and I heard that it started from Stevie Wonder's lyrics. Like you love you love his lyrics. I was made to love her, and that's where it all started. Writing these writing these songs since twenty fifteen. That's that's amazing, and I love that the the music you have like sixteen different songs, but they're all from different genres, and you never really see albums where people are you know into R and B, and then they're into all these different kinds of genres um, on one on one album. So like, what was what was your draw to to be able to bring all these different genres and and create music to to touch in all these different you know flavors of music. That's a good question. I think a bit because it's one of those things you don't really realize as you're doing it. Um, you, you're writing songs and then you look at the end of it and you have a theme, love and faith as your general theme. So you're writing along that, that pathway. And then you realize along the way that you're actually moving through different musical genres and you kind of pull yourself up and think, am I going to keep doing this or should I stay within? And then you think, no, just go with the flow on this. And I think where it came from, and it was an unconscious thing, we looked at it after we had seven, eight songs, and we realized we'd crossed five different genres of music and thought, let's keep going. I think it comes from having lived in a lot of different countries, from North Africa to East Africa to um, Western Africa, from throughout Asia, from India to Pakistan, um, moving through other parts of Asia into Thailand and um, so on to experience the music in each different place and then within Europe I connected with some tremendous musicians when I was living there on the run many years ago who happened to be gypsy musicians um, who were traveling around they were from Spain originally and uh, they could trace their ancestry all the way back to India and the roots of their music so I was coming with an Indian mindset of Indian music and what I'd been listening to, Bollywood, right? Everywhere you go in India, there's music. The same as, as Jamaica, 
the, the people are so deeply connected to music that they will even put on music when they're having a conversation because the music sort of is essential and, and so on to what they're doing, to everything. Even if you're repairing a car in India or Jamaica, you'll have music going everywhere. So I had that strong Indian influence, then came and met with some musicians and started playing with them and learning how to play their, the way they played guitar. And that I realized there's so much resonance here from India. So that helped me to explore when I went to Egypt and was in Alexandria. You sit in a cafe and you hear listening to people playing music and so on and singing. And you can hear the resonances. You know, this is coming from here. This is here. It's all music is in a sense, a kind of aggregate, because everything we hear is part of our total past learning music history. You know, we have a total past learning of music that we've everything we've heard goes in there and has either a greater or lesser influence. So I think a lot of traveling, a lot of living in different countries, learning to speak other languages, immersing yourself in different cultures, learning how to pray in three different languages and three different religions, just because it was a social thing to do with people there. This starts to influence the way that you create. And I think it, it opens up the um the highway the horizon of your music to, to be very inclusive and the work that i'm doing at the moment is once again in this area where what i'm doing is bringing in influences from everywhere but putting it into a sort of pathway uh, a narrative so to speak because i'm a writer there's a kind of journey that i want to take people on and so i want to take them on that journey with fresh and new influences each time they hear a new song it should be something totally unexpected and that's what we're trying to do no you can definitely tell like as you listen like i've listened to three of them earlier and you could tell that each one has a different flavor it's taking you on another path you're having a different sensation um there's like an interesting uh when you like dissect the music away from the lyrics it's like you know if you would if i would have just listened to them listen to the whole song and just focus on the sound the, the the music itself i'm having one feeling and then if i'm listening to it with just the lyric itself i'm having a, another totally different feeling and then when it's together it's like oh this is something else again so it's nice how you can tell like you can see that there's so much different intricate like aspects to it that you that you can see that so much was taken from so many different places Thank you. Yes, indeed. We were working in the studio, one song called Long Lonely Road, Long Lonely Road. It, that song was the result of a conversation that I had with my partner, Andrea. We, were, um, we retired from the night at about two in the morning from the studio. We went back and we were debriefing and listening to some of the things we'd done that day. And, and in a kind of debrief conversation, we were talking about friends of ours who couldn't let go of a lost loved one and how it was really impeding their capacity to seek fulfillment in their lives, to really fulfill themselves and to self-empower themselves. So we went in the studio the next day and wrote that song in one day, Long Lonely Road, for, we thought, you know what, this subject's so important, let's do it. And I think when you have a strong motivation when you're writing it, not a political message, so to, say, so to speak, but a strong motivation to connect with people on a deep emotional level, and provide either a little piece of consolation, if you can, or a little piece of inspiration not to give up, that when you do that, it starts to make the hair stand up on your arm. It really starts to you get goosebumps and so on. It kind of works because you're really going in deep into where people live on a daily basis through the heart, not so much through the mind and through the desire or the fear or whatever, but straight through where they, their emotional center is. 
Absolutely. And I could definitely feel that. Like, I, honestly, I had something, uh, something, you know, personal in my own life. Well, I'll talk about it. A little bit of uh, 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 having faith. Okay. I was kind of trying to self-sabotage this feeling, these feeling, new feelings that I have for, for somebody. And uh, I was trying to like, no, no, just don't feel it. Just turn them off. Turn them off. You don't know what this person's feeling. Turn them off. Why are you this? And coming up with trying to see all the things that, no, this person doesn't feel anything. That it's like they don't have feelings for you and then you know i like what the first song i listened to was faith on your album and then i'm like maybe just you don't know what could happen maybe just <laughs> let it go just let it be like maybe maybe there's something there and i haven't felt anything in a long time like actually or feeling that somebody else feels the same way about me like never it's never happened before so oh yeah so i I don't know. I'm 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 trying to let go and like let myself feel, but um, and then I, I was going to turn it off today. I don't know if you can t- turn it off today, but like I was really pushing it down until I heard some some songs in your album. So that made me think, uh, you know, think maybe just just let it be, Tiff, and see what happens. Indeed, um, ha- you know, have faith in ourselves, faith in others. Um, <laughs> they, these things it is very important. Is that, by the way, in your little getting to know yourself? Uh, course that you've done that yeah, kind yeah. of process you know, thinking about it and saying is this real do where do i fit here am i am i having what are my there's emotions a lot. yes there's a lot of course, right? there's a, a lot of a lot of things like that it's very action-based a lot of questioning in right. the in the whole course yeah no i'll definitely shoot it through to you see the whole overview i'm curious to see what you think actually <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think the question is great. In life, the questions are usually better than the answers. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there one, I'm curious about something, on the album, is there one that you're mostly drawn to? Well, I would say it's the song Mother um, because I wrote it for my mom and, you know, I had a very close relationship with my mother and I, I let my family down when I disgraced the family name and first person in any generation to commit a crime. And then to go to prison on top of that for a very long time and escape and be on the run. I put my mother through so much anguish and worry because we were so deeply connected. That, and then I wrote this song and there's a line in it that says, please forgive your wayward son. Um, you know, that, that line when I, I wrote it and for my mom and mom was at the time dying of cancer. She had a few months to live. We'd been nursing her for two and a half years. And it was just toward the end. And she said, I want you to record this. So we went to Jamaica on a quick trip and we came back and she heard the song and she and I both, you know, cried that day. But that, that is the song that's the most, I guess, directly emotional for me Mm -hmm. because it was a gift to my mum when she was dying. And it was a song that she loved and asked me to play, you know, over and over. So that's the one that has the biggest connection for me personally, but they all do. They're, they're your children. Every song is your child. You can't choose one child over another. No, no, that's beautiful. And yes, I I totally understand that. And that's, that's, that's just beautiful. And so when you were saying the, the, you're inspired by spiritual seclusion. I'm curious what you mean by that. (laughs) Well, um, on a daily, there's the big spiritual seclusion. If you go off the grid for a while, which I did for six years, I was off the grid and and completely out of touch and trying to really deeply get into the spiritual without the interference of every every daily life and so on. 
but there's the other kind of spiritual seclusion and which allows you to seek that creativity. People call it meditation. You may be, it may be yoga. It may be a long walk in uh, where you're connecting with nature. It may be sitting in a place where you can fill your eyes with sky and sea and that helps you, whatever it is. There is a, there are moments in each day, I think, when you should, when we should ask ourselves in that moment. And this is just me. I'm not saying everybody has to do this. But generally, if we recast a, a statement from John F. Kennedy, um, John Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I think if we kind of trans put that into this, it's ask not what your God can do for you. Ask, what have you done for your God lately? And I don't, that doesn't mean going around and proselytizing people and becoming a missionary. It's not that. It's what did you offer from your spiritual essence within yourself, your energy? When was the last time you offered something freely to the divine and said, take this from me? You, you don't need it. You're beyond wanting and needing, but you created a universe in which I'm free, free to give it or not give it. And I freely give it because you've given that freedom to this entity in this little planet and this part of the universe in this little corner of the Milky Way galaxy. There are entities here that are capable of offering to you and not asking you for anything. I'm offering it to you and you don't need it and you don't want it, but you can't stop me, even though you're God, because you created me free. So I freely give this to you. That moment, that can be a five-minute sojourn where you sit down in peace and just say, take this from me. And what I'm doing, guide me in this, help me in this so that I'm your instrument. Let me do something that's positive, that is creative, that is honest, that's true, and that really connects with people and helps them either with a little consolation or a little inspiration not to give up. And that, that can be an hour, that can be a ceremony, that can be yoga, that can be meditation. But the component of it is to freely give of your spiritual essence. And, and if you try it, you'll see what a charge you get. On the contrary, you can actually feel your energy going out of your body, but it can only go this far. And then it's going to come right back again and you're going to get more, a lot more and so on. So that, I think, is a kind of reset reboot before you do anything i blow the conch before i play i commit myself to what i'm doing to say a part of this is for the divine whether you like it or not if it's not good enough i'll do better next time but i won't stop offering it so that a part of it is that and that spiritual preparation i have discovered after making music all my life and having two successful bands in the past uh, for the first time i'm incorporating that spiritual component into what i'm doing and i find that it gives me 10 times more energy, 10 times more inspiration. Mm. I can't keep up with all the songs and tunes that I want to write. So that's sort of what I'm getting at there, where a, a little period of spiritual seclusion in which you can offer something to the divine is, I think, the best catalyst for your creative work. Wow, that's, that's so beautiful. Was that happening simultaneously as you were writing the book, The Spiritual Path? Yes, um, of course, you're, because I kept meticulous notes from the first, I decided to go off the grid my spiritual teacher in India, I've been studying with him for years. I've been studying with many, many teachers all over the world, but I finally found the right teacher for me a few years back. So we say nine years ago. And I studied with him for four years. And then when I told him I had to go back to Australia to look after my mom and dad, who were both dying, he gave me a conch shell and said, take this. You've seen me blow this. If you want, blow it. If you don't, put it in the sh on the window as a decoration. It's up to you. No stress. Mm. 
So I took it back and I would never have dreamed of doing it. I'd seen him blow the shell thousands of times, but I would never have dreamed of doing it until he gave it to me. And when I came back and started to do, I thought, all right, I have to take this seriously. And so I went off the grid, looked after my parents and focused on the spiritual. So it, it did become a part of that. And in writing the spiritual path, I was trying, I mean, the book, it was longer. It was more detailed. I kept trimming it back to what I hoped was the essential elements that I would want to know when I was 25 years old, say, and traveling across the world or 27, 35, whenever at any age. But when I was traveling and constantly, if I heard there was a spiritual teacher somewhere, I went there and said, listen, I sat with the feet and listened and did this again and again and again. And when I was writing it, I was really co very conscious of that wandering young soul out there, that searching um, heart and mind that's looking for answers to say, this is the little that I know, here's a bit. And not give them more than uh, the essential requirement of this that I thought. So I kept trimming it back, trimming it back, aware of the spiritual nature of what I was doing, but also aware that this was a gift in a way to another generation, to my, my own self when I was 20. If I'd received it, it would have helped me a lot to not to tell me what to think or what to believe, but to help me to think and help mm. me in a, a, you know, an appropriate believing structure that made some kind of sense. Mm. No, I love that. That's so beautiful. I'm so excited to dive into it um, soon. And, and the, other thing, the other thing I wanted to ask about that, the spiritual path, when you're saying that it was something that you wanted your 25-year-old self or your 35-year-old self as you were traveling as a, like, are you saying like to give like direction? You, it helped to give a direction? Well, in a sense, if, you know, for instance, if um, the six years really came down of this really intensive study in the spiritual, and it wasn't just study, I was immersing myself. It was practical experience. I was blowing the conch shell every day with absolute authenticity and sincerity. What happens in that process, though, is that when, when you have a fully formed intention in your mind, it manifests the path that you're going to walk. If your mind is filled with violence and the readiness for it, which mine has been at different times in the past, I've been in very dangerous environments and I was ready for violence all times and I was armed. If you have that, intention set you're going to manifest a path in front of you that is going to mm. keep reinforcing that over and over again when you reach a turning point and you change your intentional mindset every mm. the path itself changes in front of you so this is the process i think and in in walking the path you the path instructs you when you start your devotion, the devotion instructs you. It tells you how to, it just comes in your mind, modify this, modify that, change this a little, try this a bit, do this. You're constant, constantly changing. It's always fresh. I've done this now for years and years every day, but it's still extremely fresh and exciting every time and a little scary. It's real. And so this, it, it, the path manifests the path. The, the intentions that you have, create and manifest that path in front of you. And once you're on a path, the path manifests the path and it will keep reinforcing whatever it is, the path that your intention has selected for you consciously or unconsciously. 
for many years, I didn't have a conscious intention about the path that I wanted to walk on. I was haphazardly careering from one thing to the next, you know, bashing against things and so forth and not really, not shaping my own destiny. I said, this is my destiny that I can shape this. And the first step for that is to accept personal responsibility for everything that went wrong in the past, you know, to say, Mm -hmm. whoa, that's the first step. And so weirdly, as an analog for this, just to finish this point, two years in solitary confinement was a spiritual experience, not the first year, because I was grumbling, whinging and moning, but a lot it's among, oh, to myself, but and sort of complaining to myself about my, you know, my awful lot in life. However, in the second year, I, I, from the beginning of it, I, knew, I remember New Year's Eve on the second year in solitary. I started to accept responsibility for everything that had happened. I came up with a phrase that said, all of that pain and humiliation was just a beast of my own creation. All of that pain and humiliation was just a beast of my own creation. I can shape my own destiny. I have my own will. I have my intelligence and I have my heart and mind to guide me forward. So I accepted responsibility. And in that second year in solitary, it was completely different and it became a very deep spiritual experience. So an analog for that is what happened when I went on the path. This is the biggest thing for people to understand, I think. The first that you go, the, the very first thing that you must do before walking on the path, any path that you, any spiritual path you choose for yourself, is to be worthy. And that mm. process is difficult. It involves surrender. Firstly, it's acknowledgement then surrender. And surrender doesn't mean lying on the ground and being kicked by God. Surrender means surrendering the unrequired elements in your ego that are not necessary for devotion, for a devotional space. Your pride and vanity are necessary in this world without a measure of vanity. We're like hobgoblins without a measure of pride. You know, the world will step all over us. So we need a little of both in this material world. There's a validation from the birds. We need that in this material world, but they're not required when you enter a spiritual space of devotion. So you have to practice cleaning up those elements from your ego. From my point of view, the ego is a carapace. It's a a uniform. It's a suit that the self puts on in order to protect itself and project itself to the world. And that's the ego. And what's required for devotion is not the ego, but the self. So you need to just push those elements of the ego aside. Say, come on, guys, you vanity, just wait over here on this. Hang, know that be a good, be a good vanity. <laughs> Go and wait over here. Pride, you can. I know that's not your thing, but you just wait over here. Very good. <laughs> Let me do this, and when I'm finished, you can jump back in, and we'll get back into the game in the material world. So it's this. That's in short the process of becoming worthy. That's months and months and months of practice and training involving all sorts of things from meditation, yoga, understanding, as you know, if you're going to understand yourself, you have to understand yourself as a physical being, as an, as an intellectual being, as an emotional being and a spiritual being. So that process allows you then to take that step from into, to take what's called, if you like, the leap of faith, to enter a devotional space and say, I cleaned myself up as much as I can. I've owned responsibility for everything. I'm fully remorseful. I've changed my life and I've entered this space as cleanly as I possibly can. I hope you accept my devotion. So that process is the most important. And really, I think there are so many things in my life that have led me to that. Slum life, 
um, in solitary confinement in a prison, being on the edges of battlefields and seeing soldiers being brought back wounded and so forth. These experiences all are channeled into that spiritual understanding of yourself where you, you form the real true self inside the carapace of ego. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. Now I'm really looking forward to reading this. Probably start tonight. <laughs> Probably start tonight. No, I, that's uh, that's beautiful. I love all of that. And, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, going backwards before you can go forwards in, in, in yes. this spiritual path. That, you know, you need to do a lot of cleaning or unlocking of things and, like, yep. you know, finding out what's hidden in the basement kind of thing. Okay, what's under there? Let's bring that up to the surface. Bringing yes. a lot of different things up to the surface so that you can – um intentionally decide you know where it is you want to be going and then I like I and that's so true like I, I think you know a lot of the time I think I was talking to you earlier is that I had the intention of what I'm doing and for me I like everything what you're saying to me now makes a lot of sense as to my own little journey of you know I I I have my own intention in, in what I want to be doing I don't know the direction I don't know where it's going but all i know is that it feels good i can't even <laughs> i can't even see the stepping stones that i'm stepping on but all i know is it's feeling good and and everything seems to be falling in place as i keep just you know doing me and 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 aligning with with what it is i feel that i'm meant to be doing so no like, everything you're saying like makes is making sense like what's happening at the moment for myself so yeah no it's fantastic and I, i'm really looking forward to jumping into and diving into this book and it's so interesting that i haven't even read it yet but it sounds like the question that i thought of that we would be diving into is along the lines of your book which is very interesting so listeners the question is how do you know you are connected with yourself well, first, firstly, it's, that's a terrific question um, because it involves the two most important things, um, two vital ingredients for a, a person to make a spiritual, to offer spiritual devotion. The first one is a, um, an, a clearly articulated, understood, healthy self. And the second is connection. And connection is the key to everything in the entire universe. There's not one process, not one, anywhere in the entire universe that works without connection. And always the point of connection is the exchange of photons of light. So this is just the fact. Connection is key to everything, including your spiritual connection to the divine or whatever it is that's beyond this, even if it's just your spiritual understanding of nature. So... I'm not sure that we can connect to the self because it would have to be the self connecting to itself, so to speak. But I, I think to, re, in a way, reformulate the question, or if this is my understanding of it, if this is accurate, how do you discover yourself, you know, um, actually who you really are? How do you nurture yourself and how do you maintain a healthy self? May, is, is that sort of where you're going with that question? So, yes, yeah, so in, in that kind of direction. And, you know, like how do you, you know, when people like, you know, I was just saying it earlier, how do you know you're aligned with yourself? What do you, what does that mean? Like being, al I'm aligned with myself. I have discovered, you know, as you're saying, I have discovered myself. How do you know? How do you, like, is it because things are going well in your life? Like, what is, do you understand what I mean? Like, what is the knowing? Like, oh, okay, because yes, today was really good. Yesterday's, you know, the day a week ago was really good too. I must, I must be more connected with, my, I must be aligned with myself. 
do you get what I mean? I don't know. I'm this type of thinker. How, how do you how do you know? It makes perfect sense to me what you're saying. Um, and and unfortunately, most of us are disconnected from um, ourselves because we're located. Much of our thinking and feeling is located in the ego. Um, you know, it, the self, the inner inner self, doesn't take offense to things. It's the ego that takes offense. The self, the inner self, doesn't um, strike out. It's the ego that does, and the inner self does not. Um, project itself over another human being in some kind of condescending way or become judgmental. It's not the inner self that does that. It's the ego. And we know that's true because when people are stripped of their egos um, and put into, an, uh, into a place where the ego is not quite so important anymore, um, uh, either it's a, an extreme situation like a prison or it's a, an extremely relaxing situation like a, a, a beach where you, you're among friends, you know, you know everybody, it's very comfortable, it's very calm and relaxed, and your ego starts to dissipate. It's not quite so important as it is when you're moving around the world among strangers or trying to make a living and do your thing. So we know that though the self, in, all, in these experiences when the ego is stripped away, the self is um, not antagonistic and not anxious, and so on. At the anxieties, the depressions, and all of these things are connected to the ego, which is reactive. And it's the ego that will take on that emotional stress. Remember that most of the uh, emotion receptors are where we would expect them to be in the brain. The peptides are in the limbic system of the brain. That's where we'd expect emotion to be. But the second biggest concentration of emotional peptide receptors in the body is in the intestine. Mm -hmm. So gut feeling is an actual real thing. Now, because gut feeling was only supposed to be there irregularly in our environment, in the early environment for our long history, 250,000 years at least as gatherer hunters, it was not, it was something that would, that would punctuate a week, but it would not punctuate every hour. Now we're in a state of almost constant heightened anxiety, alertness, and so on. And the plunge into depression is very quick on that precipice of, of ang emotional anxiety. The plunge into depression can be very fast. This is emotion. Emotion is in one part, a reaction to something real that happened. But in another part, it's just chemicals from your brain flooding your body with feelings and making you feel that way. And you are capable, the self is capable of controlling that flow of emotion. You're capable, not the ego. The ego is still going to go, what the hell? What did that person say? What's going on? I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. this is the ego, you know, or aren't I fantastic? Don't you think I'm great? Aren't I wonderful? The ego. But inside, the self is, is behind all of that. And the self in that situation, the self is capable of transforming this chemical arrangement inside the body. So the two things happen. On the one hand, there's a change of mindset. And it says that a person comes who's filled with frantic energy and they're upsetting you and your heart starts to go faster. You feel the emotion in your stomach, especially if you're highly empathic. You're going to feel all that and so on. That does not have to control you. That's coming from another person and in an, an energy environment. You can then say, whoa, whoa. I don't need to feel an agitated heart rate. That person does. 
I don't need to feel this. That person does. So I am now going to calm myself and I'm going to gently push my calm emotion back into this situation. Learning to do that is the process of discovering yourself because the ego will never let you do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It will not let you change direction easily and it will not let you once again sort of control the flow of chemicals in your own body to keep yourself to make yourself from upset to calm like this, that's where, where you have connected with your true self. Mm -hmm. The ego can't do that, but the self can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm wondering now, like, this is making me think that when you're saying, like, discovering self and and is there a point of discovered self? Is there a yes. point of – is that connected then? Like, maybe, like, you know, connecting – you know, being connected with yourself is the point of I've discovered myself? To a certain extent, yes. I think it's, an, an, of course, an ongoing discovery because we're evolving creatures and we constantly evolve emotionally and intellectually, philosophically. We continue to evolve as long and hopefully most of us will continue to change and grow throughout our lives and develop. I, if I can make, make an analogue here, as a writer, you're, you're dealing with narrative, and narrative involves two main aspects. One is story and the other is plot. The story is continually saying, what happened next? What happened next? What happened next? That's, or what will happen next? What will happen next? That's turning those pages. That's what, 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 what. And the ego is very much concerned with what, 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 what. But plot is concerned with motivation. Plot is about why. Here, a, a simple example, we've used this one uh, on a little podcast we did about writing. Um, here's an example of story. The king died, full stop. Six months later, the queen died, full stop. Here's an example of the same story with plot. The king died, comma, and six months later, the queen died of grief. Suddenly, we have motivation. We have plot. And that story has been expanded by just one tiny addition of a one or two little words and it's completely changed it. So the process of discovering yourself is why, not what. We know the what. And don't focus on what you did, what somebody else did. Focus on why you did what you did. Why? Who am I really? Why do I do this? Why do I do Can I change that? Why do I react this way? Why don't I react? People around me react this way. I react this way. Getting to connect and discover your personal self is coming into terms with the plot of who you are. What is the plot? And most of us in our lives at one time or another lose the plot. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, I like that. <laughs> That's funny. Sometimes though, so they say like sometimes a why question can be to uh, almost put you in a corner. Hopefully. If you're investigating but and discovering yourself, you should be in a corner. You, you should be in a corner. In a, in a pleasure garden. Okay. You should be right there in the corner. Yeah. Okay. So you you agree that you saying asking a why question, even though it puts you in a corner, you think that's a, that's a good thing. If you're trying to, if if on a daily basis, it might make you go mad. But mm. it, on on if you're seriously trying to do to analyze your own motivation, why am I doing this? Why why am I taking this drug? Why am I drinking this? Why am I why are my relationships all breaking up? Why this is a more important than 
question then, what happened when that relationship broke up? Much more important to know why they all break up, if you know what I mean. Not what happened the last time you got drunk, but why do you drink to excess on a certain mm. time? That why is not important on a day-to-day basis. If you constantly ask why, but when you're trying to investigate yourself and really get in touch and discover who you really are as a person, you need to know why you do the things you do. Yeah. It's a kind of self-analysis. Yeah, no, sure. What would be then the difference between overthinking and connecting with yourself, asking the right questions? What's the difference between, you know, doing that and overthinking? Because overthinking, you're obviously asking questions and you're kind of, you know, you're doing something there. But what's the difference between knowing that it's a healthy way of asking questions and and trying to, you know, get closer to yourself and, and connect with yourself than the other end of overthinking? I think it's two, It's training, um, as you've done. You you did the research, the self help. You read all the books. You went into that to say, okay, what have they got to offer? And you went into well, it's training to help yourself, and it's a friend. It's it might be a spiritual spiritual teacher. It might be your life companion. It might be a good friend who will is that one person who'll say, you're overthinking. <laughs> it is okay. It's all good. You're overthinking, and then you go, oh, am I? Oh, okay. That and that comes down to trust. Mm. You know, you trust a teacher or you trust a beloved friend, somebody who can tell you you're overthinking because we all do. Yes. It's not like some people overthink and everyone else is cool. We yes. all do. <laughs> yeah. So say it's like talk out loud, think out loud with someone that you trust and, and, and share yes. share these questions that you are asking with yourself or and like think out loud with them and, and ask them if you're overthinking or not. Yes. Nice. And so what, what kind of tools would you say that briefly, I'm, I'm sure they're all in your book, brief, like if you could give us a short breakdown of what kind of tools would you, would you advise someone to know that uh, or to get closer to connect with themselves? Okay. Well, there's a lot of great psychology out there. Um, and you don't have to actually study it in order to learn a lot from it. There are now fantastic tutorials and things available that tell us a lot about ourselves that we don't naturally know. Um, we might not know, for instance, about confirmation bias unless that's explained. And then we go, oh, whoa, I wasn't even aware I was doing that. I didn't even know. There are lots of things that we don't know about ourselves that is known, and we can access that information, that data set, which is also really good. Um, in the end, it comes down to um, that the process of of course, there's psychology, there's the, there are the self-helps and everything else, but it comes down to a process of rigorous honesty with and about yourself. And that can only begin, uh, there are four steps and they're tough. Um, you know, the first one is shame. The second one is regret. The second one, third one is guilt. And the fourth one is remorse. Now, these are, once again, you see, Alexander. <laughs> Uh, these are all in the corner. None of those are at a party or out in an, on, on a beach. You know, each one of those things is in a corner, a dark corner where you can go in there and, you know, examine yourself. I believe that it's critically important to deal with what am I ashamed of in my life? If I want to sit down and make a clear assessment and look, who am I? What am I as a person? Start with the negatives first and then move into the positives of what you've done and who you are and who you helped, because everybody helps somebody. And the good, we all do good things, but start with these. Some people may have a, only this that they're ashamed of. It's a tiny little thing. Me, I've got a catalog that I'm ashamed of, of shame. The next one is, what do I regret? 
from this looking at this shame area first to put to put you into the arena then what do i regret from this what is it that really burned someone else or me regret then what do i feel guilty about and why why do i feel guilty and what is it and is it helpful or is it hurting me what do i feel guilty about and lastly how can i become a remorseful person how can i put those three things in the past so i don't need to keep going back there i've done it i went in i was honest i acknowledged and now how can i take that remorse step those are so critically important for self discovery from there you can jump into all the wonderful things you have your talents your skills your kindness your niceness your empathy and all that but first deal with that first go in the corner and then come out and join the party <laughs> nice no i love that i love that <laughs> If I ask you personally, how did you know you are connected with yourself? What was the point where you're like, whoa, I've reached a really, you know, uh, like uh, I can, I'm so close to myself right now. What was that? The first, the first time I blew the conch was the first time I felt totally connected. And I realized that what I had been searching for my whole life was my devoted self. a version of myself that was devoted and not just devoted to me and my freedom or whatever but devoted devoted to divine to family to our common humanity to the planet and i was searching for that so that was the first and i found the first time i blew the conch with absolute sincerity and tr- tried to connect i connected with my inner self very deeply uh, the second time was when i took my parents ashes to india and performed the rites it's nine days and nights of ceremonies that are done in order for them to achieve moksha or liberation from the eternal cycle of um reincarnation that they're liberated to to leave my mom was a devoted catholic and um very very sincerely devoted to jesus but she said she'd met my spiritual teacher and she knew of this tradition and she said you know what if there's anything in this I want you to take my ashes and dads and do this because uh, I've had enough goes around my son and I don't really want to come back. So we did that and I did it as a duty but once it, while I was in it on the last day of those 9 days and nights it I I experienced the rupture that and and I think that's a key point in connecting with yourself. I sobbed like I've never cried in my life. It just came from somewhere so deep and so far back. that it and it was the achievement of a of a mission of a duty to my parents that it was and it was to liberate them but it was so liberating for me so that was the time that's more than anything else in my life that of course there are moments like the birth of a child this is an indelible thing that you it fills you with joy every single time you just think of it but yeah. to transform and connect with your inner self those were the two things that really did it for me Wow. Wow, that's so powerful. Wow. Well, there's another question I love to ask my guest speakers before we before we end the conversation. Oh. I always ask people this. How has this conversation with me right now made you reflect or highlight anything to you? Oh, good. It's made me go back. Firstly, it's been really inspiring because you're so you look at your face. 
you're so you're beautiful your energy is terrific you're shining you're full of you can everyone can see you're full of positive thoughts positive intentions the holy soul which is a good thing and it's great that you're doing this job because it could be a grouchy curmudgeon who's doing the interviews but it's not it's you so the first thing is thank you i got a lift oh, just from you. looking at you and talking to you and listening to you today the second thing is that you've forced you've required me not forced you've required me to go back into my own catalog of understandings and to go through them and that's going to make me sit back now and that's sort of how i am i'm going to scan this conversation go back thinking through it and make some notes because it's helped me to revise you've given me a different lens to look at these things through and so on so it's, so i've really enjoyed it it's helped me in that way Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I'm glad that it has done that for you. And that's like my my intention in in, in coming into these conversations with people. And I, I, I like, you know, my intention is to provoke introspection within conversation and, 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 you know, allow the listeners, not only the listeners, but myself and the guest speakers to reflect on things and, and to, you know, think differently or see something from another angle. So I'm so that really like, thank you. Like, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I've made you feel like this. And that that means a lot to me. Thank you so much for coming on to the, to the podcast, Greg. Huge pleasure. Let's do this again. Thank you. And how can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's uh, GDR for very good David Roberts. And I'm sort of bringing down from 50 names, just three letters if I can, just and, and me in this little corner. So it's GDR underscore Shantaram on Insta. And you'll see there's all of our work there. There's a, um, a link tree, which provides, if you go on the link tree, you'll see everything that we've posted in musical and video. Excellent. So I'll share all of that in the, in, the, um, in, the, in the show description. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farag. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, how do you know you are connected with yourself? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.